Let's all stand together, you guys down on the campus, or our cafe, you guys in Stevens Point, as well as here. It's the one thing we all get to do as a, a fellowship of believers, where we stand together and make our proclamation of faith and the things we believe as we recite the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we are continuing uh, on our 40-day spiritual journey to a more generous life. If you have not had a chance to pick one of these up, please pick them up at the counters back there. They're free. And uh, it's a wonderful daily devotional that we are doing together as an entire congregation. All spread out all over kingdom come here. And we're doing this daily. It's a great opportunity. Some of you, uh, this will be the first time you actually do anything consistently on a daily basis in terms of spiritual life. It's a good habit to get into you. Um, some of you couples should be doing this together. You men should be reading this uh, to your wife and to your children every day. It takes, what, all three to five minutes. I think you can handle it. Uh, you know, but do this as, as a man in your home and, and as couples and in our families and, and, and go through scriptures together. You know, when you have devotionals uh, in, in your home, they don't have to be a big deal. They don't have to be a big drawn out thing. Um, in fact, you don't really want it to be a big, drawn-out, negative thing. It's not an opportunity for Dad to preach for an hour and a half, okay? We're talking, you can get little devotionals that, you know, you can read together. It takes just a minute, 30 seconds, sometimes 60 seconds, uh, that you can do together as a family. We do this every day with our kids until they, they, they left home. And even if their friends were over, we'd make their friends do it with us. And it was just a way of saying, hey, God comes first in our lives and it's very simple you just read it and and, and uh, share with it uh, so so let me encourage you pick it up and do this deal now uh, we're getting ready to enter week three of our 40-day spiritual journey to a more generous life and I want to look at first Timothy the sixth chapter now Paul the apostle is writing here to uh, this young preacher named Timothy and he writes to him and he says this, look, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Now, you say, well, pastor, everybody wants to get rich. Wait, everybody wants to get rich. If anybody came up to me and said, would you like $5 million? I'd go, uh, sure, I'll take that. I'm sure, I'm sure any of you would willingly take. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the kind of want that is this intense desire or becomes such a priority in their lives seeking and striving and chasing after money. And he says this will become a trap to a lot of people. And indeed, a lot of people have fallen into that trap. You know, you don't even have to have money in our country to fall into this trap because we have had an inglorious um, system set up that you can get money you don't have yet to get stuff 
called credit, credit cards, all kinds of loans that you can take out. Uh, and people are chasing. They're, they're, what they have isn't enough, so they've got to get into what they don't have so they can keep getting. And it is a trap. It will suck you into a hole and eat you up and spit you out. It will turn you into a slave. Do not kid yourself. Slavery still exists in the United States of America. It's just not based on color anymore. It's based on credit. There's always been the spirit of men. As as long as mankind has existed, there's always been men who wanted to enslave other men and work off the sweat of their brow while they do nothing. And the way they figured out how to do it in this country today is through credit, easy credit, with outrageous amounts of interest. So now you're working your butt off for them. You are busting yourself so they can make millions upon millions of dollars while they do nothing while you slave yourself to them. Working for the new Massa, Massa card, Visa, American Express. And we go to the Massa and we ask for a loan and we get into it and it becomes a trap. I've shared this with you. When you get these little slips in the mail that say, hey, we've given you a $20,000 line of credit or here you can fill out these checks for $7,500. This is not praise the Lord dime. This is not a gift from God. It's from somebody else that wants to suck you in. These people are not your friends. What they are looking for people are are people who feel uh, desperate and who are in a hurry to get stuff that they don't have yet and they fall into this trap they are not your friends it is very predatory by nature and i know i i have my wife will tell you this for for the last couple of years you know we get these things in the mail you know giving us all this money and you can have this and a credit card you know man i could buy a house with the credit cards in my wallet it's absurd the amount of credit they want to give people it's just gotten crazy. And they're saying, you know, we'll refine your house. We'll give you 100% financing on your house. 125%. Have you seen some of those? 125% financing on your house. And now it's hitting the fan in this country. And I remember telling my wife, I would hold those things up. And I'm, I said, Debbie, I'm telling you, there's going to be hell to pay. This is preying on people, desperate people or confused people who are getting sucked into a system. And it's going to destroy their lives. And look at the mess we got today. And I don't know that we've seen the bottom of this deal. I hope we have. But this is, this is not good. This is very, very bad. On the one hand, I think, you know, they're saying, well, they won't be able to have all this easy credit anymore. Part of me goes, praise God. Stop this insanity. But then we're into such a hole with this thing. Now then people won't be able to buy stuff. And then jobs will be lost. And we are in a pit. That we need to, you know, I don't know what the pagans do, but I'm telling people of faith, we've got to get out of this nonsense. Look out for that stuff, man. People will fall into a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction, Paul said. I say amen to that. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, it doesn't say money is a root of evil. It says the love of money. There's lots of people who have money that it does not suck the life out of them i know many people who have millions and millions of dollars and this does not affect them it just doesn't it's the love because they don't love they don't have this passion they're not consumed by it it's those who had quite frankly some of the people with the biggest love of the money are the people who don't have any 
And they love it. And they just love it. And they love it. And they chase after it. And make all kinds of compromises in their lives for it. Now I get it. You need the money. We all need the money. I'm not completely ignorant. I get that we need it. And God gets it. And wants to bless you and help you in that area of your life. But be careful. He said some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Pierced themselves with many griefs. And that's pretty much the end result here. Is just a lot of grief in people's lives. So the question is this, you know, what is it that you want? He said a lot of people want money so bad. What is it that you want? We all want things. We all need things. God knows that. God gets that. In fact, Jesus even encouraged us. Ask God for what you want. You want stuff? Ask him. He was constantly egging people on. Ask him. Ask him. Knock. Keep on knocking. Ask. Keep on asking. Bug God. Bug the snot out of him. He told parables of how of, of a woman who came up and just kept asking this one guy for stuff and wouldn't leave him alone and just kept give it to me, give it to me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And the guy couldn't stand it anymore. He finally gave her what she wanted. Jesus said, "Be just like that with God." La 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 la. Keep asking God. Keep God. Jesus actually encouraged that. But. When you get to a place where you're more interested in what you can get from God than God himself, now you're in trouble. Jesus said, do that because God wants to give you stuff. God wants to bless people. He particularly wants to bless people in need. In fact, those of you who are in the hardest situation this morning financially, the ones that are watching right now, that you're in the worst situation financially, you're the ones God's targeting to bless you. He wants to bless you. He loves it. That's what Jesus taught us. But, when you start getting more interest in what you can get from God than God himself, then the blessings stop. He will not go there. If you're more interested in the gift than you are in the giver, God will not go there. God told us this in the very beginning. We read in Exodus, you shall have no other gods before me. God does not appreciate taking second place to the things you want. And, he will not give you something that you want. If, You want that thing more than you want God himself. You see, God, by his own admission, is a very, very, very jealous God. In fact, he even calls himself jealous. He says, my name is jealous. We read it in Exodus. Do not worship any other God, he says. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. God even says, my name is jealous. Don't mess with me. Don't be chasing other stuff. God is not an idiot. He knows when you're more interested in stuff and things than you are him. And the minute you are, you aren't getting jack squat from God. It's like the guy, you know, who wins the lottery, you know. All of a sudden he becomes very popular. Everybody likes him. Has all kinds of friends. You start hearing from relatives you never heard of before. Oh, how you doing? I'm your cousin on your 25th side over there. People who come into money know that. Some of the players that uh, uh, play for the Packers that come to church here, you know, the guys that all of a sudden, God bless them, they get this great contract. You should hear them talk. Man, the relatives that come out of the walls suddenly feel inspired to reconnect. Well, they know what it is. It's just about the money. You act that way to God, you'd be more concerned. I mean, literally, I know people who are much more concerned what they can get out of God than they are God himself. I know a lot of people that really, they even, they treat the Bible almost as as a book of of sorcery. 
Seriously. They teach on faith. And I teach on faith. I just taught a butt-kicking message on faith Wednesday night. You ought to be our Wednesday night. It's good stuff. You ought to get the tape. The CD. We don't have tapes anymore. I'm an old man. <laughs> CDs. Here, I'm all for that. But they, they, they treat faith as this is some kind of manipulation. If you say this and you do this, then God has to do this. And if you say this and you do this, then God... And, and, and there's truth in that, except that I've met some of these people and without a doubt, you can sense it and you smell it on them right away. They really don't care about God. They're looking for what they can get. They figure, if I just say this and do this and twirl around and pray on one leg for 20 minutes, then I'll get all this kind of stuff. You're not getting anything. God is not an idiot. He knows your heart. And if you're more interested in stuff and what you can get from God than God himself, you can ask all you want. He will just stand there and stare at you. You need to be careful that you don't want money more than you want God. You will see that this week as you get into uh, this next week of of this 40-day journey. One of the other things you'll also read is about being content. Being content. You need to be content. Paul wrote this. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm not going to leave you out there hanging. If you will trust me, if you will put me first in your life, you'll have all that you need. Just be content. And that's the problem. Because we're not really content with what we have. We're consumed by what we do not have. I don't have the latest iPod. I don't have the coolest clothes. I don't have the nicer car. I don't have the bigger house. I don't have. I need, I need, I need. I want, I want, I want. I need, I need, I need. I want, I want. Oh, Jesus, give it to me. I want, I want, I want, I want. Pastor, why isn't God answering my prayer? Because God is not an idiot. You see, most of us are not content with what we have. We crave more, and that's what gets us into trouble. There's a great quote that you'll read this week that says this. It is not the high cost of living. It is the cost of living too high that gets most people in trouble. Another great quote you'll read. It says this. When your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will lead to your downfall. You've heard me talk about this before. But don't live at the max. Step back. Don't fall into this stupid trap in our country. And we have the greatest country in the world, but I'm telling you, suddenly there's hell to pay and everybody's in a state of shock today. Why? Because everybody's living at the edge. You're going to get a house, what do they do? Let's see what you can afford. And they run the calculations and they find the max that you can afford and you step up to that line and run your toes over it a bit and that's what you do. And when it comes time for a car, what you going to buy? Well, what can you afford? And they figure it out and you walk up to that line and you stick your toes over and that's where you set. And we do this over and over and over again and then if anything goes south, you're in trouble. We have a whole nation that's living at the edge. They're quick throwing together some plans to help pull us out of it. And I hope they can pull us out. But I'm telling you, if not now, it's going to come. 
We have got to stop. We can't keep bar. We borrow way more money than we even save today in this country. Everybody's living way at the edge, way at the edge. And all, all that has to do is gas goes up 25 cents a gallon and you can't breathe. And your life is in hell now. Because of 25 cents a gallon, you're upside down. Why? Because you're living at, at the edge. And you can't afford anything to go south. You know, my friends tease me about the car I drive. I drive a Kia. I used Kia. So can't you afford a nice car? Oh, no, I can. I could afford a nice car. A butt-kicking car. A cool butt-kicking pastor car. <laughs> I can afford the kind of car you pull up everybody in town and go, Whoa, check out the pastor! Why do you drive a used Kia? Because I found out what I can afford. And then I went, okay, I'll buy this. Why? Because now I've got breathing room, you see. Do I like paying higher gas at the pump? No, I don't like it. But it doesn't kill me. Why? Because I'm not living at the edge. I don't max out in every area of my life. I'm telling people who live at max are pretty miserable people. Don't do it. Step back. You know, those people who are, this morning, you make $30,000 a year, and you're convinced if you could make 60, you would be set for life. You'd make out like a drunken monkey, man. It'd be great. Be fabulous. Be fabulous. Well, if I could just make 60,000 or 30,000, I'd have it made. But you wouldn't have it made. Do you know why? Because those people you're sitting next to right now who make 60 and are as miserable as you are. It's true. People who are at 60 think, man, if I could just make another 30, if I could make 90, oh man, I'd, I'd have it made. I just know it'd be, that's all I need. Not true. The guy behind you makes 90 and he's as miserable as you. Guy at 90 thinks, man, if I could just make 120, I just know if I could get an extra 30,000. And by the way, it actually gets worse the higher you go up the food chain. Because by the time they give you 30, you, get, you don't get 30 anymore. You're getting 15. Taxes. <laughs> Man, if I could just get that extra 30, I'll have I mean, that's not true because the guy off to your left makes 125 and he's, he's as miserable as you are. I know people who make $300,000, $400,000 a year and are absolutely miserable into debt. Up, it's just all relative. Some of you guys got $5,000 of debt. You think that's the end of the world? I know people who got $90,000 debt just on their Visa card. It's all relative. Paying interest like crazy. Miserable. Why? Because everybody keeps living to the max. The truth is, the guy who's making 30, if he started making 60, would be really blessed if he kept living on 30. Because now he's got an extra 30. He could write out checks out to the church today for $5,000. Of course, it wouldn't matter. He's still got an extra 25. Save for this. Pay off the house already. But no, no, no. We. Like moths to the candle flame. You've heard me say this. Your problem is not money. 
Yeah, it is, Pastor. If I just had more money, no. If you just had more money, you'll do the same thing. Because everybody's doing the same thing. You've got to stop. Stand back. Here's another quote, great quote you'll read this week as you go through our 40-day spiritual journey. What if, the question is, what if God gives us more income not to increase our standard of living, but to increase our standard of giving? Wow. 1 Corinthians, Paul writes again about money. By the way, Bible writes a lot about money. Why? Because Jesus said, that's where your heart is, man. You ever treasure the most. That's where your heart is. And if your heart's mostly in money instead of God, you're in big trouble. But Paul writes this. He says, remember this. Why, do you, why does he say remember this? Because we forget it. We're great at forgetting the things we should remember. And we remember things we should forget. Everybody remembers everything. Somebody did wrong to me. That guy did. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. That one guy, he cut me off in front of that lane the other day. I'll kill that guy if I ever see him again. Ah! You can remember to look on his face. As you were waving that, we're number one at him. (laughs) Or something like that. We remember that stuff, but we forget the stuff that matters. So he's got to say, hey, guys, remember this. What? Remember what? He who sows sparingly, he who gives sparingly will will reap sparingly, will be blessed sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He says, each man should give what he's decided on his heart to give. Well, now there's something we don't get. This morning in Christianity all across America today, I promise you, 90% of evangelical churches, if not higher, will be praying the most unbiblical prayer in the Bible. We say we're people of the Bible, but we do some things that are blatantly unbiblical. And they'll pray this prayer as they take their offering. God, speak to each one. Tell us what to give. No. Nowhere in the Bible does God ever tell anybody to give anything. The minute he tells you to give something, you're not given anymore. That's obedience. God will tell you to do stuff. God might even tell you to write a check. But that's not the standard of giving. Giving isn't waiting for God to tell you what to do. You decide. Well, how much do I give? That's why he starts out. Remember this. You give a little, you get a little. You give a lot, you get a lot. For God loves a cheerful giver, he says. That's why we clap when we take offerings around here. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need. Everybody say all. All. Wouldn't you love to have all you need? How many would like to love, have everything you need? Wouldn't it be great? God wants to do that. He wants to give you all you need. And the more miserable your circumstance, the more he, you have his attention. He looks for that. As it is written, he says, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. He looks for the poor. He looks for the people in the worst financial situation. He sees you. He gets it. He wants to bless you. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. So that you can buy the biggest stinking car you can find. So you can have a 96 inch plasma TV in every room. So you can get a yo mama house. That you'll never get to and clean. That's what he wants to do for you. Is that what it says? 
You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Really? Well, because that's not part of my plan. He wants to give you seed to so you can sow, so you can be greatly blessed. He wants to give you seed so you can sow it in faith, so that you will be greatly blessed. But what do we do? We eat all of our seed. And there's nothing left. There's nothing left. And you say, Pastor, I, 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 I would love to, but I, we, I got nothing left. You don't. I get it. You're not lying. You're being as honest as you possibly can. People say to me, I got, we got nothing to give. I absolutely believe you. Absolutely believe you. But there's the reason you don't have anything left. Because <laughs> you ate it all. Even if you start small and don't eat it all and take a little bit and plant it, God will give you a little bit more. And then you have a little more seed. And then you can plant a little more. And have another blessing. And have an even bigger seed. I'll tell you what. God wants to keep blessing you. So you got to keep trading in your seed bag every so often. Because it's too small. That the bag keeps getting bigger. So you can give. And be blessed. Give and be blessed. You can actually give your way to prosperity. But not if what you love more than anything itself. Is every little seed that you get and you consume every single thing that you get you say well pastor I don't, I don't even have much we're, we're really poor if you were following along you saw that one day all the scriptures that talks about how God even expects the poor to give now it's all in relation it might be a you know when Jesus was standing and watching people give and the little widow came and gave like a penny or something remember Jesus said hey she gave more than everybody else because she gave out of her need but you notice Jesus didn't go, oh, oh, oh wait, man, 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 don't do that. Here, let me take some out of that and you take some extra money home. Why not? Because God even expects poor people to give. Even at their smallest, smallest level. Why? Because when you do that, it opens up the opportunity for God to start blessing you. Remember, God notices the poor. God notices the greatest need. He wants to bless. He wants to bless. He wants to bless. And if we'll do the right things, he will bless. But boy, if you start getting more interested in the blessing than him, he, oh, 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 oh. not going there. I want to invite our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion and our musicians to come back. So the question is, where's your heart today? What do you want? I get we all need to be blessed and Jesus taught that. He gets that. God understands that. He says, your Father in Heaven knows what you need before you ask Him. He says he'll meet every need. You know the Bible says he will meet. He desires to meet. God in heaven desires. You know how everybody has desires? What is God's desire? God's desire is to bless you so you have everything you need. And by definition, richly blessed. I mean, you're not going to get rich. I mean, most of you aren't going to become gazillionaires. I get that. But he wants to bless you so that you're rich in the sense you have everything you need. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know everything. I I, I look, even with the greatest need and hurting around here. Where is your heart at? What do you desire? You know, I've been doing a lot of radio interviews lately because of this Sarah Palin thing. You know, her daughter, teenage daughter, pregnant and getting married. And 
oh, the world's just having a fit. They're all going to, it's like they're passing a basketball or something. Oh my goodness, too young to get married. Oh my goodness, too young to get married. I think it's just ridiculous and stupid. If we expect our young people to behave and act like young people, they'll behave a lot better than those who don't. Military proves that every day. Young men and women who are out there sacrificing their very lives for you and I, living at the highest level of commitment that are 18, 19, 20, 21 years of age. Why can they do it, but our kids can't make a simple commitment because the military expects something out of them and we, we don't. Anyway, they're asking me about my opinion because clearly I think opposite than most people on this issue. And By the way, I bet you $100 in 20 years those kids are still married. Because they got a family helping them to succeed. A family giving birth to a family. Even though they made mistakes. But everybody says to me, what about money? What about money? You can't get married if you don't have money. Really? Because I remember getting married and we had no money. We had to look up to see what the poor people were doing. Check that out, man. Look what they got. Woo! Those of you, and if you're thinking, you're single and you're dating forever and stuff, knock that nonsense off. Grow up, make a decision. We need money. No, you don't. You need some money. Goodness gracious, if he's unemployed, still living with mom, you might want to pass on that guy. (laughs) don't, Don't be stupid. But quit this setting some standard, you know, because, well, we need to at least have 30000 in the bank or we need to at least have a $40,000 a year job. Because now they've set their standard. We've been doing this for generations or for, for decades now in this country. People who have made money the biggest decider on when they can get married. And they've got their threshold. They had to make 30, 60, 70, whatever it was. Watch what happens now. Watch what happens now. If we fall into an economic crisis and people get below that threshold, watch them divorce like flies. Man, just boom, 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 boom. Why? Because they've set a standard. Got to have so much money. When they get below that money, you know what? Their marriages are going to fall apart. Get your priorities right. Well, Pastor, what would happen to you if all of a sudden you you and Debbie were broke? Remind us of our honeymoon. I'm going to divorce each other for crying out loud need to get our priorities right what's in your heart today where are you at are you more in love with God or are you more in love with money you need to put God first in your life if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision where you said I want to put God first in my life I want God's blessing I get it we all want God's blessing but you've got to want him more and if you've never had that commitment made in your life to put him first I'd like you all to bow our heads. We're going to pray in a word word of prayer here this morning. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life, put your faith in Jesus. You can begin your life of faith this morning by putting God first in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you loved me so much. You went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.